Hello, this is Brad Schwartz, professor and chairman of Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. On behalf of Richard Wolf Medical, the Endourological Society, and the Journal of Endourology, I would like to welcome you to the latest release in our podcast series. Each month, we will be presenting a current events topic of interest to our listeners. This broadcast, I'm happy to introduce Dr. Duke Harrell, Professor of Urology and Mechanical and Biomedical Engineering. Duke is the Director of Minimally Invasive Urologic Surgery Robotics Program at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, and an active surgeon, researcher, and innovation entrepreneur. Dr. Harrell, thanks very much for joining us, and uh, it's really a pleasure uh, to talk to you about your innovations and, and what you're doing down in Nashville, so thank you. Thank you, Brad. So I, I guess the first for our listeners, I'd like you just to kind of explain what you have down there, what you've developed, and kind of briefly share uh, how you've integrated your uh, exposure with the engineers and, and doing the bench to bedside process that so many of us want to do, but find it difficult to actually uh, uh, accomplish. Well, thanks, Brad. I mean, you know, this is this has been a, uh, a long road. Uh, I got recruited to Vanderbilt in 2001. Um, and... Uh, Soon after I arrived, I kind of developed a relationship with the engineering school, which has uh, turned out to be incredibly fortunate. Uh, I was taken under the wing of uh, a, a professor there named Bob Galloway, who was one of the pioneers in image-guided surgery for neurosurgery, actually. And he and I struck up a friendship and a collaboration, and he sort of served as a mentor and got me involved in a lot of projects that were going on. And, and so in the early 2000s, we were kind of interested in robotics and imaging and all and then as he transitioned to uh, emeritus status, uh, Vanderbilt had a real great run of recruiting superstar engineers, including a, a guy named uh, Bob Webster, who's my current main collaborator, Nabil Saman, Pietro Valdostri, and others. And what happened at that point is a group of us sort of coalesced and decided that we were doing some great work, but nobody knew anything about it. And so we went forward with a plan to the university to develop a, an institute uh, that took many years of, of difficult work and hard work, and they managed to pour a little money on us, which always helps. Um, and we were able to develop what is called the Vanderbilt Institute for Surgery and Engineering. It's really a trans-institutional collaboration between the university and the medical center, and involves a, a lot of biomedical engineering labs, mechanical, electrical, computer science, all the engineering disciplines. And then we actually have surgeons and, and proceduralists even in almost all the major departments. Uh, uh, it's called surgery, but we have GI people, we have radiologists, uh, all concentrated on sort of developing next generation uh, tools and devices. Uh, and this includes software and things like that. And so uh, it's been a real boom. Um, I will tell you that some of the, the best features of it is that we've been able to do uh, sort of sponsored time for people. We buy uh, surgeon time, which I think really helps uh, develop products. I was a beneficiary of that. I did a surgeon in residence program, it's called, where I had a day a week for six months to work on my grants. And that resulted actually in uh, Bob Webster and I getting uh, two NIHRO1s uh, in rapid succession uh, when we've been working on that actually for several years. And so it, it's, been a, it's been a great run and it's really uh, coming to fruition, but it's been a long time in the making. So I think you mentioned a couple things to our listeners that I think is important. Number one, mentorship. I think younger people coming into 
new institutions really need and, and probably demand some kind of mentorship for people who have already been in place. Um, and then again, utilizing that time, it, it takes a long time to really develop something like this. So people have to be patient and not necessarily expect something in their first six months of arrival. Correct. Correct. I, I like to say, you know, you and I both know that, you know, the first thing you want to do as a surgeon is perfect your craft. And, and then along the way, you need to decide what it is that you see as your future uh, within the academic community, whether that's teaching or uh, working on outcomes, working in basic science, or maybe doing something like medical device, which kind of uh, foisted itself upon me just because of my personality. So. so I'm the recipient of a couple patents as well, and I have a couple device uh, entities, which is, again, I think a really fun, very rewarding it's kind of a, a, I don't want to say a distraction, but an ad, adjunct to what we do surgically. Um, can you just describe um, briefly again what um, uh, securing intellectual property and then the technology transfer process? Uh, you obviously need some of that in your institution to make a lot of this happen. If you again, going from bench to bedside, you really need that infrastructure in place. Maybe touch on that process if you can uh, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that, that, as you said, it's a, it's a vital process. And I think for a lot of us who are interested in this, it's kind of a, a passion project, as I like to say, in that you, you try to identify problems that you think can be improved on. And, and you know, it, it's difficult. Uh, but I think when you have a really great idea and it, and it comes into uh, something that you think you can develop into a good product, you do need to protect it with intellectual property uh, and the patent process. Uh, most universities have a very robust plan in place. Vanderbilt does for that as well. There's a tech transfer office. Uh, there's kind of multiple steps to this, which I'm sure you've been through, where you file a provisional early patent. You do sort of the work to look at what's out there that might be in that space. And then you eventually, if uh, they feel like it's worth pursuing and, and you do and you don't find anything else, you start working with patent attorneys on filing an actual patent. And that is a much longer road than I think you and I ever anticipated it being. I think, you know, some of the patents that we hold now were, were five to eight years in the making uh, in multiple rounds with the uh, U.S. Patent Office uh, and all. So it's, it's a bit of a, a slog, but well worth it. And, and, you know, I always tell people, protect your ideas uh, because there's, there's a lot of value in that. And the institutions are, are really looking for that. They want people to develop the next uh, products and ideas that can go out there. Awesome. Uh, you know, it, that securing your ideas and protecting them is, is absolutely crucial. I always talk to younger people about that. And that provisional patent is really very important. I mean, even if you have the slightest idea that this might come to fruition, uh, it's a hundred bucks. It lasts a year. You have another year to kind of protect it and to, to progress your formal patent. I, I think that's a crucial piece of uh, advice for the younger uh, investigators. The other thing I would add is, you know, it's, it's just another example, as you know, that you, you don't do this stuff by yourself. This is really a team effort. And, you know, to me, it, it's been a huge team effort between the engineering labs and the, and the surgical side and, and between myself and a, and a host of people and the fellows and residents and uh, young engineers, postdocs uh, to do a lot of this work. Uh, and so you got to find the right people to collaborate with. Uh, and that includes in your tech transfer office. Those people are vital as well. I agree 100%. Um, Duke, are, are you at liberty to discuss any products you're currently developing or what kind of things you might have on the horizon for just the medical field in general? Sure. No, I, I th I'm pretty excited, as you can tell, about a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's it's been a long road, but 
Um, we have two uh, kind of very interesting NIH grants right now, and then and then I'll touch on some commercial things that are uh, in the pipeline. So uh, we have two big uh, NIH R01s right now. One is in bringing image guided surgery or true image guidance into the Da Vinci robot. I've been working on that for uh, since 2008 or even before, and it just shows you have to stick to things to, to make them work, but we've had a, an NIH grant for the last four years to really put true registered image guidance into the Da Vinci. What you see mostly uh, in, in publication now is where you do sort of, somebody's aligning it or co-registering it visually, uh, but we're really doing the hardcore engineering and math to do what is truly fusion uh, intraoperatively. And so we're, we're getting there. We've been working on that for a long time, but I think we're reaching the point where that'll be very exciting for people in the next couple of years. The second one is even more exciting, which is the idea of uh, potentially doing true notes, uh, doing endoscopic radical prostatectomy. We actually have a, an R01 to work on a, a new robotic platform to do a true radical prostatectomy. Uh, there have been a few of those done by Jim Lingaman and Mitch Humphreys, but there was a lot of difficulty with anastomosis and suturing and reconstruction. And so we spent the last two years working on some ideas on that, uh, and that's coming together nicely. The two things that I'm even more excited about are a little closer to truly uh, use in human. We've been able to roll out two startup companies uh, over the past several years. Uh, the first one is, is really hitting a good stride. It's called Virtuoso Surgical. And Virtuoso is really trying to develop uh, what they're called concentric tube robots. So they're tiny instruments that come through a rigid endoscope. They're about a millimeter in diameter. They work like tentacles. Uh, we can run two of them through a 26 French endoscope. And what we hope they can do and, and what we're seeing in our lab and in our uh, model work is that we're able to retract, uh, precisely cut, follow a path. And so imagine the fact that you have two very dexterous instruments at the end uh, of a standard endoscope and it can apply retraction, lasers, and a variety of devices. Um, that company has uh, been doing very well. We've uh, been sponsored by... Uh, SBIRs and STTRs, which are NIH mechanisms to uh, uh, advance companies with early technology. We've had some good angel funding, uh, and uh, we're in the process right now of starting the process of going towards hopeful uh, human use in, in 2022 to 2023 and seeking uh, FDA approval and all. And so that is truly a gargantuan effort. I really didn't understand uh, what it takes to get a medical device into people until this process, but uh, uh, it's going well. And I think a lot of people are getting excited about it. We've got a number of really great collaborators and our first targets are actually uh, rigid urology in the form of BPH therapy. We're gonna try to make enucleation of the prostate something that can be done by almost anyone uh, and be applied to a lot more patients uh, since HOLEP is such a great operation, but it's uh, had difficulty spreading out. And then we think that bladder tumor uh, care can actually be improved by uh, doing an end block resection where you remove muscle. Uh, and certainly I think retraction uh, in the bladder would allow that uh, through an endoscope uh, much better. And then uh, there's a lot of uses potentially in hysteroscopy for fibroids and other disease processes that are very similar to what you and I take care of. The second company is a little uh, earlier. It just spun out in the last year. It's called Endothea. And endothea is really fascinating to me. It's uh, we're, we're sort of using these uh, special materials that we micro machine and we're making really small dexterous manipulators. 
that are even different than the concentric tubes and much smaller. And so the way I would describe it is imagine a steerable laser sheath or a steerable basket that you can actually really precisely control at the end of a ureteroscope or a, a ERCP scope. And so we've got our first round of uh, uh, funding from the government to work in ERCP, but ureteroscopy and other areas like that are certainly on our uh, uh, target list. Sounds amazing. One, one common thing I think you, you hit on is, is the ability to engage multiple specialties. So a lot of funding, a lot of interest, a lot of financial benefit of um, having multiple uh, fields uh, involved is also beneficial to a startup or to a device or uh, just you got to kind of spread things out to possibly cast a wide net. Well, I think you and I, you and I were witnesses to the, uh, to the ultimate uh, or one of the ultimate victories, as I like to say, of a paradigm changing technology in the robot. Uh, you know, in that, uh, you know, I know you and I were amongst that vanguard who could do laparoscopy uh, back in the day. But, you know, looking back on it now, we we should have known or pr probably realized that it really wasn't going to spread out much. Um, and, you know, when when the Da Vinci came along and, and you know, the running joke is they shot for the heart, but they hit the prostate. Uh, that really uh, uh, changed the world uh, of what surgeons do. And if you look around, it's changing the world on a weekly basis of all of our colleagues and other specialties now, you know, the general surgeons and all who resisted it. And, and what it taught me is that, you know, a, a great tool in technology makes people better surgeons and allows them to do things they couldn't do before. And I think as long as we try to advance that idea in our technologies and our medical devices, uh, you know, they're bound to, to hopefully improve care. And that's where I see uh, something like Virtuoso. Um, you know, I think we'll be able to uh, give a tool to the future generations of uh, uh, Brads and Dukes that can uh, play around and design new ways to, to take care of us in the future. Uh, it's fantastic. It really, I've always been in awe of your accomplishments down there. I think you and your team really deserve a, a huge uh, uh, congratulations on what you've been able to accomplish. I guess what I'd like to end with, uh, maybe just a little bit of advice for younger investigators who might be listening how do you advise them uh, to really in, engage in scientific discovery while maintaining their, their surgical practice, their clinical practice? And how can you maybe uh, mentor younger people into uh, starting something like that wherever they may land? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, that's a vital part of things as, as you and I know, and, and you know exactly what you said. I mean, I guess to me, what this is all about is number one, uh, being a good surgeon and a good practitioner of your specialty out of the gate. You know, you got to know what you're doing. And so I encourage people to get their feet under them clinically, uh, not to rush, as you described, to feel like they have to do everything in the first year or two of their academic career and to really see a vision for what is their passion? You know, what is, what is going to drive them uh, to keep doing things as they move forward? And then finally, just to be tenacious. Um, you know, I, I uh, will tell you that, you know, the, the image guided kidney surgery grant uh, had a near fundable score in 2008 and then didn't get funded until actually uh, uh, 2018. Uh, you know, so I spent a decade more uh, working on that on the on the periphery uh, before it actually garnered uh, NIH funding. And, you know, if you if you really think you have a great idea, as you said, you know, protect it, nurture it, find people to work on it with you. Uh, that, you know, and I think that's one of the things uh, that I would advise young people that want to do this kind of work is you got to partner with a great engineering team 
those are hard to find, but they're out there. They, they crave clinical input. Um, you know, that's been one of the things that has struck me the most is that left to their own, they will invent fantastic devices that we won't or can't use. Uh, on the other hand, left to our own, we will dream of devices that can't be made, you know, and so that that's how I see it setting up. And you touched on a really uh, important point to me that I want to finish with, if that's okay, is that I just want to thank many of the people that I think really made this happen. You know, uh, Vanderbilt University and the Medical Center have been incredibly supportive, uh, the chairs of my department, uh, people that, you know, let me pursue this, and then the people that partnered with me over the years uh, and continue to do so, my colleagues uh, across the engineering schools, uh, administrators at the hospital that are important, you know, when we're asking to be in the Da Vinci rooms on the weekends and at nights uh, to mess around with the robots and, and do work uh, are all important. And then finally, the, the residents and the fellows who have uh, contributed so much along with the postdocs and other researchers. So it's really a team effort. My hat's off to you, really. It's quite an accomplishment. We, we thank you for your innovation and your progress. And uh, I think the world is a better place for your, uh, for your diligence and tenacity. I hope so, Brad. I'll, I'll, I'll finish with the idea. Of, uh, I tell patients all the time, don't, don't thank me till I actually accomplish the task. I understand completely. <laughs> I really do. I'm laughing out of agreement. Well, Duke, uh, we appreciate your time very much. Uh, we hope this might stimulate some uh, some younger investigators or those already in investigating to team up with their engineers and uh, stay at it. And uh, again, um, I want to thank um, the Endourology Society and Wolf and the Journal of Endourology uh, for all of their support and uh, keep up the good work. I look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Brad. Thanks to Richard Wolf. Thank you.